Okay, everything's recording. You do the intro and everything, Will. We'll let it be your show. What? Well, that's <laughs> going to mess this whole thing up. All right. First time ever. Uh, welcome, everybody, to uh, the next installment of No Driving Gloves. We've got a special guest this week, uh, Tavis Highlander. Uh, for, you, for you of all that don't know Tavis, he is a world-renowned uh, artist. I can say that because he just got back from Dubai, by the way, and just uh, become a really close friend of mine over the last, you know, couple of years. We've been working together on a, a 1961 Impala that uh, if you go to No Driving Gloves Facebook page or Big Oaks Facebook Instagram page or even Tavis Facebook Instagram page, you can uh, see what we've been working together on. There's a lot more to come from that. So we were just kind of chatting another day, and I was like, man, what about coming on the podcast? And they was like, sure, man, let's do it. So uh, John and Derek agreed. So here we are. We got Tavis. Um, we've got John, and we've got Derek. So believe it or not, there's actually four of us here Room. this evening recording for you. So, Room's a little bit uh, crowded. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so anyway, um, Tavis, you want to kind of introduce yourself, and uh, we'll start uh, asking you some questions. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks, uh, first off, to you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. It's a, an honor to, to know that somebody would actually want to talk to me for more than just uh, business reasons and getting some work done for them, so that's pretty cool. Um, basically, I'm, I'm basically a hot rod designer. Uh, full-time which uh not a lot of people get to say and it's a it's a real treat so i uh i work out of my studio in my house and uh basically i do renderings and sketches for cool cars all day long all the time nice nice well i'd like to kind of say how you and i got to know each other uh another good friend of mine robert mcgaffin um was at the shop and for you, for you of y'all that don't know, Robert McGaffin Digital Photography is is his business. Uh, he's actually a big part of the Wheel Hub magazine that's out. That's in in my opinion, it's going to do nothing but grow and get bigger, especially since all the other magazines have basically been abolished, other than Hot Rod. So, um, so anyway, Robert was at the shop, and we were talking about this Impala, and I was complaining a little bit and about the situation I was in about getting drawings and renderings and whatnot. And he was like, dude, you need to call Tavis. And I'm like, Tavis. And I'm like, Oh yeah. I follow that dude on Instagram, you know? (laughs) uh, So we, you know, Robert highly uh, recommended, recommended you and, you know, next thing I know, I pick up the phone, and I mean, it's it's like we've been working together for years, and we really we've worked together. I guess this is kind of like our. It was really our first project together, but since then we've done several more things together already. So, uh, and we're still working on the Impala. It's been a it's been a fun process for sure. So, that's how Tavis and I got to know each other, and. 
I guess my first question for you is how in the world did you get started in hot rod renderings? Well, well, you know, most kids, you know, like in high school, when you, you turn your test over and then you start doodling on the back, I just kept doing that. And, uh, you, even art classes, um, you know, they'd always tell you, you know, stop drawing cars, all that kind of stuff. Stop. Even when I get to university and, and, uh, you know, my professors are telling me while I'm studying industrial design as a major, they're saying, you know, it's, you're, you're probably not going to get into the automotive world and be able to work on cars, you know, so just, you know, keep focusing on products and stuff. And I just, you know, I guess I'm just stubborn and I just kept pushing forward. And, uh, even before I graduated, um, I, I met Steve Strope at a car show, uh, of pure vision design. This was probably 2006 and, um, the TLC show rides had just come out and he was, uh, featured on one of the episodes. And so I, I recognized him at this car show and, uh, barely worked up the the nerves my my dad had to kind of push me to go talk to him and uh you know i showed him my portfolio and he was encouraging said you know you know keep working on this you got talent just keep going and uh you know before you know it instead of having a traditional internship um when i was at university i uh, actually sent out flyers for my imaginary business of, you know, designing hot rods. And lo and behold, uh, Steve Strope was my first customer. Um, he had a project, uh, kind of a corporate giveaway car with a guitar center that we worked on together. And that just kind of set me up, you know, having a, a client like that right off the bat that could open doors for you, uh, left and right as we kept working together. And, uh, so from there, you know, he was tight with all the magazines. So pretty soon I'm doing, you know, work for Hot Rod Magazine, you know, every month. And a number of the other magazines were doing, you know, corporate builds and uh, promotional cars. Um, and then he gets me, all those guys kind of link in with, you know, other companies and then just, you know, just do a good job and everybody spreads a, spread your name for you and, things just kind of take off from there. And that's a, uh, you know, good word of mouth has, has done me well over the years. Well, we say all the time on this show when we're talking is, you know, it's a lot of word of mouth and who, you know, kind of gets you places. I think that's why you have three, oh, little, yeah. three little yeah. desperate guys here doing a podcast too. <laughs> trying, yeah. trying to get a name out there. <laughs> One of these yeah, days we're going to meet somebody about, that can get us somewhere. <laughs> well, you hear about guys that, you know, get a, a break and just go big instantly. But for, what, 99% of people, it is a a slow, arduous build that, you know, you enjoy doing something enough that you're willing to, to suffer for a while and uh, to make it happen. And that's, that's just what it is. You start out as the low man on the totem pole and you start climbing to the top and that's that's just how it goes absolutely man i 
I could imagine that was huge for you getting to know Steve pretty on in your in your career and for for those that you know hadn't ever heard of Steve Strope I you know I need you know you need to look him up I mean he's uh he's one of the most well-known hot rod builders in the country uh, and has been for years it's it's you know it's not like he just kind of caught lightning in a bottle with a couple of cars i mean he was grand national roadster show builder of the years had his own tv show a couple different times i mean he's uh he's he's out there um and, yeah. and a cool cat he's too, one of the you know? oh man yeah he's, he's i'd say one of the most unique minds um that i have worked with and uh the the design process that goes on in that guy's head is is something else you you yeah. don't encounter that <laughs> that's uh he is intense and the things he comes up with are unique and it, it puts him in a little bit different spot than than most hot rod builders that's for sure right now did you work on uh joe rogan's nova i did yeah that was yeah. uh another project with strope and uh Man, that, that, you know, I listen to Rogan's podcast, you know, pretty much every episode and I have for years. Um, and so when, when Steve told me that he was going to be building a Nova for him, I told him, man, oh man, I gotta, I gotta work on that one for sure. And, uh, that, that was really cool and be able to, um, go down and there was a party actually for, uh, unveiling the car and bare sheet metal after the all the sheet metal work had been done and uh, they were actually filming it um, I think for the last episode of Steve's um, TV series um, right. on Motor Trend and actually got to meet Rogan we hung out for you know half an hour or so you know talking about Rogan type things so like yeah. Bigfoot and <laughs> Marijuana, uh, over, <laughs> marijuana, <laughs> marijuana. Yeah, UFC. You, you got it. Oh, <laughs> uh, so you might can let the world know a little bit of information. Then again, you may not. Ken, do you know if that car is going to be at Grand National here coming up in the next couple of weeks? I, I think they. I didn't go to the Grand National last year, and I think, but I think they brought it in bare metal last year. Um, okay. I don't think it's going to date. I don't think it's going to debut finished at okay. Grand National this year. Okay. I, I know it's going to be a, a SEMA unveil eventually. I don't have okay. official word on, um, but I would think from the progress of everything, I would be thinking that it would be this year. For SEMA, right? Uh, Twenty twenty right. SEMA, right? Yeah, it's a very unique car, so you won't uh, you won't you won't walk walk right by it. You're gonna you'll have to stop and look at it for sure. Is it called Pure Vision? Yeah, yeah that's that's the name of yeah. his business, right? Okay, yeah, because I'm I just quickly googled it and Hot Rod did a. Well, that was a year ago. They did a video on it, and there's a, f a few things. So, doesn't okay. Yeah. So yeah, and it was 
we'll, we'll I've, I've got to ask a question here with Tavis. Um, you know, you yeah. talk about kind of your pro, you know, what projects you've worked on, stuff like that. But, you know, one of the things I like to do when, especially talking to younger kids, generations, trying to get them into any type of, you know, part of the field or the hobby is, um, you know, kind of like, I guess, and I'm, I'm even curious about it is, you know, when you're working with um, any of these guys, you know, Joe Rogan, any of the different people you've been designing for, um, even when it's small jobs and, you know, for things like Big Oak Garage or something, I mean, whatever, Um, you know, kind of how much, uh, you know, how much liberty do you have with some of the design? How much do you work with the, the owners and the shops to really kind of get that rendering to where, you know, where it needs to be for, for all ends of, of the job, you know, so the, the, the shop like Will and his guys and any of the shops you work with can actually make that become a reality. And also just how much of it is kind of pleasing the customer and in how that rendering winds up looking. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And uh, every, every client is different. And I'd say probably my, my, my talent may be more so than being able to draw or design anything is kind of analyzing um, what's going on in the mind of the client. And uh, yeah, I can kind of, just by talking to people and I've done enough projects now, I can kind of suss out, you know, one, you know, their abilities, um, two, their budget, um, things like that. And I can kind of put together a picture in my head ahead of time of, you know, the lengths that they're willing to go to make something work. And, you know, if I'm working with a shop, you know, I'll, I'll go through and look at their past projects, um, talk to them about like what kind of equipment they have. And so I, I can kind of, I can kind of tell ahead of time, you know, like when I started talking to Will and he was describing all the equipment they have and I, you know, go through their Instagram, look at things they've done. I know that I can design certain things and they can actually make those things happen. Um, it, they know how to move sheet metal. Like they could do anything, pretty much anything I can draw, they could make it out of sheet metal um, within, you know, certain parameters. And that's, that's a really important thing to, to understand because, you know, you can draw anything that's relatively easy, but understanding a little bit of, you know, fabrication process, that's, that's extremely important because you have to design for the processes. Um, so if I know someone can machine stuff, you know, I'll look through that and kind of see what they've done and I can kind of design towards their abilities, but maybe with a little extra push in there that, you know, we can kind of see if they can go ahead and actually make that happen. If they can't, that's fine. But, um, and even for myself, I, you know, I kind of have a, an understanding of all the processes and the basics. I don't know how to do much of it myself, but I, uh, I kind of know what goes into designing for those specific processes. Very cool. Very cool. So back when you were in high school, get off a little bit of the, let's get away from work a little bit. I'm sure you'd like to sit around at, you know, eight, nine o'clock, whatever it is. And you're, you're West Coast, so maybe seven o'clock your time. 
uh, talking about yep. work still, you know, I try to get out of there <laughs> when I, when I leave, I leave, um, back when you were in, you know, high school, junior high, you're right. I remember sitting around drawing cars and tracing cars because I really don't draw very well. Um, do you think there was a, a moment that you knew you really wanted to do, you know, did, is that where it clicked? What clicked? that made you think that the, yeah, this could be a, you know, career path? I know you talked about being in, you know, the design classes and everybody telling you it's insurmountable and you'll never, you'll never amount to anything in this career, which I think all of us have been told yeah. that at some point. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> you know, what, what, what was that inspiration when you were younger that gave you the drive to continue to do it? Or was it just to prove that professor wrong? Well, my, um, my parents were both, you know, entrepreneurs. So my dad built custom homes and, uh, he would do, you know, all the design work and he'd, he'd work with the crew and, um, you know, knew how to do a little bit of everything. And, you know, so seeing, seeing that, I knew that, you know, you can just make your own way in the world, you know, as long as there's a market for what you do, um, you can make it happen. And then, boy, when I was about, 12, you know, I had to, I had to get a job to make some money. Um, you know, cause I was I already had my eye on, you know, what my first car was going to be. So I was going to have to start saving. And, uh, so my folks actually got me set up where I started building birdhouses and selling them at the local uh, Saturday market. And, uh, I remember the first time I went there, I think I made a hundred bucks uh, on a Saturday and I, I was just, I was sold. That was, that was it. It was like, oh my gosh, I can, I can make money building stuff in the garage. This is, this is great. And I actually did that through, oh, my first couple of years of college every summer. And, uh, I'd probably be making a lot more money if I would have just stuck with doing that stuff. But, uh, it's <laughs> kind of a terrible thing to say, but, um, well, I think any I, of I did us really well doing that. Any of us will sit here and say, you know, we're not in it for the money we're in it for the fun i would i would rather have a good day at work than make a ton of money and you know suffer through the pain so oh exactly and that's that's kind of how my my life is now you know i have something that i really want to push towards and even as a, a kid that you know doing that you know garden art stuff and selling it you know it kind of taught me you know self-responsibility i had to learn how to you know, how much product do I make before I go to a, a certain market? I had to interact with customers directly. Um, you know, I had a business license when I was 13 years old and, you know, collecting sales tax and paying quarterlies, all that kind of stuff. But it uh, it taught me all that stuff early and that you, you don't really have to follow rules. Um, you, you don't have to get a traditional job if you don't want to. You can You can kind of make anything work as long as you're as you're good at it and you work hard enough. So, um, and I'd, I'd always liked cars and, you know, one of my first, um, vehicles was a 53 Chevy truck and that was my daily driver to high school. And, uh, I always loved working on it. And, uh, so I just thought, you know, how do I, you know, connect together my design sense and artistic abilities and, you know, I like making things and how do I put that all together? And that's how I kind of got towards the, the uh, design and rendering part of it. And then also seeing kind of a, 
you know, I really liked um, all the work of like, you know, Tom Taylor, Steve Stanford, you know, I followed all their stuff. And, um, and I saw just kind of a, you know, kind of an opening in the market. There weren't too many people doing it back then. And I thought I could kind of fill that gap and, and it, and it kind of worked out. So what do you feel, you know, I, I've only looked at the website and that, a uh, little bit of stuff from Will. I think, you know, he's mentioned you over time, but, uh, you know, really kind of did some research in that for this podcast. And what do you think, or what, when you're, when you're looking at, say, you know, the 69 Nova or the, the Impala of Will's or anything, and you begin to create that, are you creating it with a a trademark or a trademark type design, something that you kind of like to do? Are you doing it with input of the hot, you know, the, the shop and the, the car owner or, you know, what, what are your biggest influences in dictating that design? I guess is half of my question. The other half of the question is, what do you feel kind of your trademark is? You know, I'm going to say when I think of Foose, I always think of tucking the bumpers in a little bit and kind of smoothing everything out. Or when I think of Boyd, I'm always thinking of, you know, an exaggeration of the wheels or something. What, what, you know, what, what dictates the style and how do you, what do you try? What is your personalization or what are you trying to be? or what are you known for that you try to integrate into all of those styles and make the builder happy, the customer happy and you happy. I mean, it's a lot of people to try to make happy. Oh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't necessarily think I have a total trademark characteristic or style that I've, I've developed or anything yet. I think the, the thing that I do and the thing I try and strive to do is really, try and meld myself into the process what the builder is trying to accomplish what the owner is trying to accomplish i try to soak all that in and then just kind of add what i can to um uh, you know just kind of bring everything i can into the build that will help it out but within the restraints of you know you have to have the owner be happy the builder has to build it and they have to be happy so i just kind of fill the gaps in I feel like, and when there's opportunity for me to inject ideas, I go ahead and do that. Um, and then it, it varies wildly, um, from customer to customer. There's, um, you know, some people, they basically have the whole thing in their head. They just want to see it put on paper and all I have to do is kind of put the pieces together and make it look good. Other people, man, no clue what's going on. They don't, they don't know what direction. Um, they've got a few ideas and you know that, and that's when it starts out with just a shotgun blast of ideas. And then I can kind of assess from there. Okay. What are they picking up on? What are the little characteristics that they, they like and what gets them going? And then they find, okay, there's the, there's their alleyway. I'm going to go that direction and uh, see what I can do. And, and sometimes it, you know, there might be styles that, you know, I personally don't care for, like maybe this person wants something over the top, you know, compared to what I think. But I also look at that as a challenge where, okay, this person's going to build this super over the top vehicle, no matter what it, it's going to happen. So, 
you know, there's, there's guys that like Lamborghinis and there's guys that like Aston Martins, two totally different styles. But if you're going to work on a Lamborghini, do, do the best you can with that styling and that design language. Don't try to turn the Lamborghini into an Aston Martin. So right, right, right. That, 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 that's my kind of goal with, with everything is do the best job for what that person wants. Don't try to turn it into, yeah, don't, don't tell them your vision sucks for your car. <laughs> here's how, here's how yeah. I would do it. This is right. I'm, I'm God. You should listen. I, I, well, there, there's I, a but. Try to not do that. Right? It's, yeah. it's weird. You just said that. Don't try to turn a Lamborghini into an Aston Martin. And I'm kind of, you know, scrolling Facebook and that as we're uh, talking, looking for topic ideas. And literally, the moment you said that, I came across a post on the Radwood page from eight hours ago of a Fox body Mustang that's done up to look like a Ferrari F40. <laughs> I was sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. You know, got to be careful what you try to build there. So, that that's right. That's right. Just you know, there's a if there's a theme that started there, you know, don't don't push it and strip it away from somebody. You know, try to try to go along with that essence and and make it work if you can. You know, and some some gentle steering away from some ideas can be done, but uh, you know, just outright telling people to change the whole direction that that doesn't always work no it, it okay uh, it, so, it get you so fired. Wait, let's let's go back to because john <laughs> said <laughs> john said you know earlier he wanted he was trying to take the conversation away from work and of course it's going to come back to work because we're talking yeah. to you on the podcast because of the work you do but back when you were right. flipping your tests over in high school and uh you know drawing cars on the back of you know doodling cars and all that you know what what were your inspirations at that time like what what cars as a kid do you remember just being really passionate about like what what did you see that just really got you into the car world oh man it it was mainly all the all the local stuff that at car shows and, and even in the high school parking lot. I mean, like my friend had a, a 63 Impala lowrider with the uh, green flames on it. Uh, my other friend had a big old Pontiac Bonneville. Um, you know, there was a second gen uh, Camaro. I remember a kid had, and just, I, I kind of liked everything. And, you know, I'd always read like, you know, street rotter, hot rod, uh, trucking. I've always been into trucks. Um, you know, so I, I did get inspired by some magazine cars, but it, it was mostly just kind of garage bolt stuff that I really, really looked up to. And the, the, the thing that got me obsessed though, I, I remember I bought the book, how to draw cars like a pro by Tom Taylor. And, uh, you know, he was huge at that time. I mean, he was, oh, yeah. he was the guy, him and Steve Stanford, that that was it. Um, you know, Chip Poose was still working for Boyd at that time, I would think. And uh, I, I remember going through that book and just, I think I did and redid every rendering that was in there, learning how to use markers, uh, 
chalk, pastels, um, airbrush, pen and ink. I would dissect how they did their drawings um, and go back through and do my own versions to see how it would work. And then I would try that on my own cars, my own car drawings. And, uh, you know, this was, there was digital rendering at that time, but I, I kind of learned how to do everything traditionally with, you know, Prismacolor markers and pastels, like I said. And, uh, so those were really, it was kind of those guys' work that really got me captured into it and really kind of set me loose. So, so going back to that, um, most of your stuff now is done digit digitally, correct? Yeah. Yep. It's all kind of uh, digital painting, um, CAD drawings, things like that. Okay. Okay. But you could do it, you know, I guess this may make some guys mad, but the kind of the old school way of doing things, you know, where you really just sit down with a notebook and a piece of paper and go to town. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's kind of how I learned to do stuff. The, the thing with digital is, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about creating artwork per se. It's, it's more creating the design tool right. to kind of lead us along the way for making decisions. So I'm, I'm not really worried about, you know, making it a fine piece of art at the end of the day. And it's also, it's just way more efficient to do everything on the computer you know, if we want to try out different wheels, I don't have to redraw the entire, you know, drawing again. And right. We right. I can just draw, draw well, new wheels. How, and how many different colors have we done the Impala already? <laughs> you oh, know, a few. Uh, there's at least <laughs> seven or eight different colors that we've been kicking around. You know, and uh, so. Yeah, that makes it a lot easier changing colors and like wheels and, uh, you know, trim. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, it's got to be way, way, way more efficient. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a time saver. And it's, you know, like I said, it's just, it's just setting up a tool, basically, instead of trying to think about it as artwork. It's a... It, we're just kind of having a, a nice little way to be able to make decisions and uh, get to a final product that is the car, not a piece of artwork. Right. Say, I think I do the same thing. You know, I've got a stack of app, iPads around in my Apple Pencil and uh, doing uh, some kind of contract writing and stuff this week where I built even the contract. And I just took everything from the Word file, threw it into another program, so I could circle paragraphs and move everything around to where it belonged without – it was so much quicker than doing it in the proper program. And I think that's kind of, you know, the the artist rendition, rendition that's all hand-drawn with, you know, Prismacolor pencils and that looks great. But I think the efficiency of, you know, digital drawing and what you – like you said, what you can do in 18 different colors and, you know, Will over the next 52 weeks could have 52 different designs of <laughs> – his yeah. <laughs> impala a little bit so nobody knows what's going to show up at what show or or such it, I, i'm a full supporter of everything digital yeah i mean i wish i could like i said i wish i could draw but that's just not me 
Well, you know, I've I've got to imagine one of the one of the hardest things for you to do, Tavis, is, you know, I can't draw nothing. You know, I I, I I'm terrible at it. I always have been, and you know, as long as you and our friends, I always will be. Because why should I draw something when you can't? So, getting <laughs> getting what's in my head into your head, which I know you and I, we work pretty pretty daggum good together. I mean, we'll get on the internet together and get on the same websites and look at the same things, and and I can kind of get my point across that way. So we're really on the same page. So I I really can imagine that some guys you just really can't connect with, but you still got the job. You still got to get the job done and and really getting into their head and putting it on paper has got to be one of the one of the toughest things in in what you do for a living. Oh man, yeah. I mean, like I said before, there's such a a wide variation of people and there, you know, sometimes guys will make me entire packets of, you know, here's photo reference material, here's measurements, here's, uh, you know, four pages of bulleted lists about details about the car that I, that I have ideas for. And then, uh, you know, other people, it's like, man, I just want, I want something really unique. And, uh, okay. Kind of, kind of like We're, me with the interior on the, on the impal, I'm just like, dude, just throw it out there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you you kind of make it, it. It's very easy to work with you because I I know that I can kind of just say, hey, here's an idea or two for the door panels. You know, like today or yesterday, I just kind of threw some at you, added a couple ideas. Yeah what do you think you, you know, we can go back and we can, we can butcher that idea up and redraw it and do whatever. Um, right. But you know, I can, I can just shoot that out there to you, you know, see what you think, you know, and be well, able I'll, to assess, uh, you know, yeah. I, I'll say this and, and this is uh tooting your horn here. So you and I and Tracy Weaver, we had a little meeting at SEMA and we discussed the interior and, and what we discussed was very loose, you know, I mean, it it was a certain kind of thing we were all looking for, but it was really, really, really loose. You know, there was no straightforward. This is what we want, blah, 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 blah. Um, and whenever, I, I seen the door panel for the first time in my mind. I'm like, dude, this is, I mean, this is exactly what I was thinking, you know? And <laughs> I sent, I sent it to Tracy. You hadn't heard this. So this is, uh, this is going to be news to you. Uh, I sent it to Uh-oh. Tracy and, and Tracy was like, dude, there you go. You know, this, this is <laughs> the door panel design is there. I mean, uh, the trim, the machine parts, you know, done. So, I mean, that's, uh, to me, that's pretty impressive that, 
you, you took something that loose and dude, you nailed it, nailed it the first, the first time. So I'm sure it wasn't the first time that you're, you drew it, but it was the first thing you sent to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you don't have to see the other destroyed doodles. But, uh... <laughs> oh, but that, that, yeah. that means a, a ton to me. Cause you know, um, you know, both you and Tracy, you, you know what you're doing. And, uh, you, you know, especially, you know, I, when I get to work with upholstery guys and, and I work with a lot of them, you know, you gotta, you gotta throw them something that, you know, they can make, you know, right. at the same time. And you gotta know the difference between, you know, French seam and a top stitch and, you know, all this stuff. Otherwise it's, you know, nobody's going <laughs> to, they're not going to want to work with you either. If you, if you just throw them stuff that, you know, they're like, well, you don't even understand the upholstery at all. And that's, that that's a real compliment when, you know, guys that know what they're doing, you can just kind of meld in their little group with them and make something happen. And, uh, that, so I, I like hearing that. So hypothetical question for you here, uh, Tavis. Uh, we like we like to talk about John's uh, good friend uh, Elon on the show a lot, and I'm just wondering <laughs> oh. when when Will gets one of the um, Cyber Trucks in the shop and he's ready to, you know, really get it it you know really worked up the way Big Oak would do it. Um, yeah, what what do you what would your vision be for how to how to make that uh, that truck? I mean, it's it's stylish. I don't know how much more you can do with it. What it, What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I know um, Will has a a nice new paint booth, and that's just got uh, bare stainless panels, right? So, I mean, gotta gotta sell somebody on a a nice paint job on one of those, and uh, see what it looks like actually painted up. I actually think that'd be pretty cool looking if that thing was just done up in. Uh, you know, satin battleship gray or black, glossy black. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, as they stand, they are uh, somewhat underwhelming on the uh, you, you can aesthetic say side. They're, they're butt ugly. <laughs> Terrible. I, I think it's cool that I, I think it's extremely cool that um, he has the balls to just do that. Um, and just throw it out there. But at the same time, man, you could do even more with just uh, some straight panels. Hey, you know, sure. I'm going to say, <laughs> I, I'm just going to say, it gives me hope because, I, I mean, as we've all commented on the show before, I mean, I, I think all of us uh, that have extreme artistic talent drew that when we were in, you know, middle school. Oh, so yeah, it gives absolutely. me hope that I could be a car designer. <laughs> oh, I, oh yeah. There's only five lines you have to draw for the side profile, so you're you're golden. <laughs> I I tell you what needs to be done with that thing. Bring it to Big Oak, and we will buy a uh, C10 Chevrolet truck. We'll put a uh-huh. big box Chevrolet in it, and then we'll just roll it out, and we'll just say we converted this Tesla into this <laughs> we'll just, just we'll, we'll just put the tesla just, in in the pond 
Just LS swap it and get it over with. <laughs> yeah. LS swap it. No, see, that's too that's too efficient. You got to put a gas guzzling <laughs> big block in it. You know, carburetor, yeah. two fours. <laughs> yeah, LS with is a, too high tech. With, Man. Right, with a seven hundred R four, so it gets even worse gas mileage. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> We'll go ahead and oh, lift it and yeah. put some forty fours on it too. Oh, you! Oh, you got it, man! Oh, man! <laughs> Super swampers. There you go. That's right. Boggers. Oh, Boggers. <laughs> oh man! All the yeah, I've I've got a friend that uh, I think Elon is his uh, worst enemy. Um, man, you get him going on. Uh, uh, government funding that that guy is just collecting left and right. Um, man, you can't get my friend stopped off of that topic and how much he despises that uh, <laughs> and how much of a Dude. sham electric cars are. And man, we need to get him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought you said family friendly. Heck that yeah. might be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> him and I would just listen. Him and John would just go at each other. John's a oh, fan of Elon. Oh man, I don't know if I'm necessarily a fan of Elon. Well, you like talking just about friends. him a lot. Just best friends. Yeah, you you weren't at lunch with me uh, Saturday morning with the three other Tesla owners, and <laughs> I took the other side of the fence there and uh, kind of criticized and questioned and asked and it's so it's so funny to listen to the tesla cult (laughs) oh this is what he's doing and this is what he's doing this is what he's doing and okay you're the one whose car accosted you on the way to the restaurant (laughs) we were walking by his (laughs) he he had an x and he was walking by and his car door like opened into him and tripped him you know (laughs) 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 because he had whatever the proximity summon thing or whatever but yeah And, uh, yeah, they so, they do a lot of cool stuff, um, but it's man oh man, it I I totally understand the uh, the balanced argument on the other side too of people when they want to be efficient, you know, for the environment, you you got to look at like product life cycles and everything. I mean, how everything starts as a product and how it finishes as a, as a product. So being efficient could maybe mean getting from the 1970s pickup truck, fixing it up and keeping it on the road for 50, 60 years versus buying a new plastic thingamajig uh, crossover sport utility vehicle with that's loaded with, you know, lithium ion batteries or whatever. Um, you got to look at that entire product life cycle. It's not just, Oh, I don't put gas in this. That makes it, incredible and I, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. gloss over that and it, that's a that's an important step so people need to think about that too that, that was a five-minute conversation on there the cigar is. podcast i listened to because the guy that owns the shop and does the podcast and has all the money he just got rid of his escalade for a uh, tesla and they were giving him a hard time mm-hmm. on how much he's increased his uh uh carbon f- footprint yep <laughs> 
It's so true. I mean, this is this is why I want to get to the point where I'm driving the the antique cars more often than any of my other cars. So because I and I think that's true in in all of our everything we do. Like John, like you're saying, you know, I mean, I was I was listening to a, I think it was a podcast the other day that happened to be on probably one of the NPR ones anyway, but it was talking about how much more truly efficient it is to, you know, buy used items, repurpose them, things like, I mean, you know, like, and I know John and Will know this, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at a, a 1930s, you know, thirties, late thirties, early forties, flip top secretary that I bought online off of Facebook messenger for like, 40 bucks made the couple of wood repairs it needed. And, you know, I, yeah, I like antiques, but it's real wood. It's solid wood. I'm keeping it, you know, from going to the, you know, junkyard or for, to the, the trash heap. And I'm not buying a cheap press wood, uh, new desk that has all the chemicals in it and is just going to fall apart in a few years and have to go in the trash. You know, it's, it's really more efficient to repurpose and reuse things in a lot of cases than it is to go out and buy these new plastic, you know, throwaway. Uh, you know, that's what it was about, throwaway culture. That's what it was. And that's what we're moving to, even with our cars. And it, it's true. It's, it's more efficient a lot of times to keep something old running than it is to just go out and buy something new. It's yeah, more efficient yeah, on your wallet, too. Yeah, <laughs> I agree, Will. Well, there we go. We got it completely away from work for. <laughs> That's what we're here to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no telling where, where it's going to go. No telling where it's going to go. But see, the great um, thing there is go out, buy an old, you know, square body Chevy truck or you know, and some old vehicle, get a hold of Will, get a hold of Tavis and, and have them design something up for you, repurpose it, start using it, boom, efficiency. But if you took that square body yeah. and you took a Tesla Model S and took the body off of it and put that square body on there, think of how low and quiet it would be. Shut up. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> have you Have you heard about how terrible they are with, you know, people working on their own Teslas, though, <laughs> like they they lock you out of all the systems. And I, I guess there's a guy on YouTube. Have you heard about him? He he fixes his own, and he like oh, yeah. he um, fixed up a salvage Tesla and did it all himself. Um, you know, there's the true heroes out there that are saying, you know, screw you to the man, and uh, gets out there and just hacks into all the systems and makes it work. The the thinking though, I. I think, well, I guess my feeling on that is if Tesla didn't want people to do that, they wouldn't let them. Uh, there's a story, and I can't remember who was telling it. I don't know if it was Ed Bolin or one of the guys that does the C2C or coast-to-coast racing and that. Somebody was trying to do the coast-to-coast record in a Tesla. And as he started to get to St. Louis and he was going California to New York as opposed to the other way was about the time he started to get to St. Louis he all of a sudden started having charging problems for the next two or three uh-huh. charge stations 
that's, you know, slowed him down and he wasn't going to make the record. And he kind of believes that Tesla was doing something, you know, they were monitoring his car, saw the speed he was carrying, did not want the publicity of of that. So they, you know, slowed him down with their control. And, you know, I'm a closet conspiracy theorist, so I'll go both sides. I like a lot about Tesla. I like talking the, the, the conspiracy theory about Tesla. You know, we'll see what happens. And it's not to say that Porsche is not going to do the same thing with the Taycan and Mercedes isn't going to do the same thing with theirs. And Jaguar is not going to do the same thing with the E-Pace. And so, I mean, there, there's all these over-the-air type updates. Uh, we've even talked about on the show about how I used to have a friend who was huge into General Motors, and he believes that when you buy an early car or your car goes in for the first service, they actually flash your ECU and detune it a little bit um, from from new. You know, he had a really early ZR1 and a really early CTSV and things, and he he the the horsepower numbers changed between before his first oil change and after his. Uh, first oil change on a couple of his cars, and he he just kind of believes that. So I guess this computer detuning could be every car manufacturer, not just pointing the finger at Tesla. See how well, I since, save it well, so we don't get sued? Since we're, um, <laughs> since we're talking to an automotive designer and electric vehicles, Tavis, what do you think about the new electric Mustang. Oh, come on! You can well, be honest. Yeah. So when you when you look at the vehicle, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. The only thing wrong with it is whoever is handling marketing, branding, whatever. Why would you associate with the Mustang name? It <laughs> makes no sense to me. It, it makes no sense. It's like, okay, you guys want to you want to launch an electric vehicle? Let's take our you know performance flagship, you know, and put that name with it while we're also producing gas ones. And it's not even. It's just it's too confusing for anybody that knows anything about cars. I'm you just get baffled, don't you? Did Did right. you happen to listen to our show when reviewing the podcast where we discussed that? <laughs> No. <laughs> we thought it was a brilliant idea other than what you just said. And we ended up, because at the time, I owned a certain Ford product. And I'm going, you know, from these angles, this is what it should have been named. And you know, Yeah, we, could, we come up with our own name. <laughs> we felt it should oh, yeah. be the, the Ford Taurus shoe. Oh. Uh-huh. Sure, we thought it was... No, it was the STD. <laughs> no, it was the, the, <laughs> oh, or, dear. or the, sho- the the Taurus shoe or the Taurus showy. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! I figured me, you, and I were on the same page with that one. You know, I mean, come on, come on! You you just took the the yeah. Mustang. Oh well, I mean, I guess they've kind of done this before with the Mustang too. I mean, that Oof. that car was turd. Yeah, but they they didn't sell a high performance version next to it. 
And yes, I know they sold yeah. the Cobra too. The Mustang too <laughs> was the only yeah. right, right. And and you know you're right, but but you know take, they're just they're dragging the name through the mud, man. Throw the Mustang out of it. What? As but that's a, what most Mustang drivers do is run them through the mud, so yeah. I mean, they can't keep them on the street. <laughs> it's especially if there's a crowd around. Trying, yeah. trying to get him exactly. To, yeah, they're trying to get him to hop, hop curves <laughs> early, easier and quieter. <laughs> now they can sneak up on the crowd. Yeah, well, yeah, it's got some. Yeah, it's got more ground clearance, and uh, I mean that that's going to help, so they can recover maybe after they run up on you know after cars and coffee. They can. Uh, Maybe that's what Ford was really thinking, you know? I can't, I can't remember. We got to help these guys out. What podcast was I listening to? Or yeah. I was seeing something where Ford, um, maybe it was a shift in steer with uh, Matt DeAndrea, and he was talking about Ford's not very pleased with all this negative or uh, publicity about the Mustang and uh, it having the tendency to kill people at car shows. again that's a marketing problem because they're marketing these cars to people who can't drive them so uh, yeah you're absolutely (laughs) right let's throw the mustang out of this and not pick on it again um what do you think as a designer of this i mean we'll even go back as far as the the cayenne and that these sports car manufacturers going to uh, SUVs and that. Do you do you think an SUV is a, a cool design and will will have its become popular? Or w- I guess what do you see as the future for the SUV and the car enthusiast? Oh man, well they're they're slowly creeping in and just killing everything. I mean, what they're not going to make Ford Fusions anymore. They're just going to. Now, you know, they're start still, axing all of these regular sedans. They're still making fusions because I bought one to replace the SHO because they don't make the SHO. <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I think I saw it today that they announced they're they're not going to make them within a few years, though. I, I um, believe that. And it's just going to... Yeah, I mean, it's just this eventual creep of, you know, little crossover utility vehicles taking over everything because people believe that they have more space in them and that they need that for their, to put their golden doodle in the back of to drive to Whole Foods. Hey, and, hey, uh, hey, hey, yeah. easy on the golden. <laughs> Quit picking on Will. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was trying. <laughs> and the Whole Foods. That's the only place Will shops. <laughs> if, if, oh. there was one close, oh. if there was one close, I might go. <laughs> Will jogs to the Whole Foods as opposed to drive his yeah, golden needle. Yeah, yeah, as I'm turning up my Miller High Life right here. <laughs> I I know you're super classy, Will. I'm not... <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, the golden man, oh, oh no, that's that's no problem. That's a. I, I am not a big SUV person, and I think if you want an SUV, especially like when you start looking at this premium stuff, like Aston Martin now has you know their own SUV, and I think it's you know 150, 175 thousand, something like that. But it's it's just like a you know a kidney pe- kidney bean suppository shape like the rest of them. It's not. They're never going to be. They're never going to be sexy. 
I mean, it's the proportions that you're dealing with. So, I mean, if you're going to get an SUV and you want to spend that much money, just go get a Range Rover. You know, that's uh, that's my opinion on it. And if you want something sexy, don't go buy the the Jaguar, you know, F-Pace SUV that is, you know, just looks like a, a bloated sedan or a bloated wagon. Go Go get the big, comfy, you know, Jag sedan. Just get that. You know, you don't need the other space. You got that much money to spend on a car. You know, buy buy a truck and buy the the big comfy right. sedan that actually rides rides better. Doesn't have a high roll center. Um, all this stuff. This can be better all the way around, and, and it's going to look better too. But that's a that's just my take. If you're going to go SUV, go go full SUV, or don't. So, so you kind of like real SUVs, but not a big fan of the sport crossover market. Yeah, and that's that's what seems to be dominating now so much. I mean, right. it was like Mazda. There, I think it was just today or yesterday they announced they're coming out with a another SUV to go in between the the three and the five that they have right now, and it's like why why do you need another one in between there? And it's just, it's just mind blowing to me. Um, and I, man, I, I'm, I like extremes though. I like if If you're a family man and you want full practicality, then, then just get a van. Who cares? Yay. But then uh, don't, don't try to <laughs> don't don't try to now we're moving into the van don't yeah, but 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 John you technically don't have any Hot kids topic. and you like vans that's creepy oh, <laughs> oh what I that's, just I just well, that's a little a little white, creepy white transit connect cargo van for <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing <laughs> bad's ever come of a guy driving around in a white yeah. van with no windows. <laughs> The fewer the windows. Yeah, you never call those guys in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord! But that's a, that's the kind of thing with with me though. Every, I think people want to have a car that does everything. Like they, like oh, I can put the kids in the, there. I can have some cargo room. It still looks kind of sporty. You know, want go with army knife. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> that's say right. I'll give my stepsister credit right here. She contacted me a couple of weeks ago and they were looking to get rid of their caravan and she she's in her 30s. I guess it's probably wrong to say how old she really is and she's owned two cars in her life as opposed to me who's well over 50 <laughs> and not that, you know, 10 years older than her. But she you know, said, we want something. We want three rows of seating. They've got two kids. And then when the kids have friends, you know, they kind of need three rows of seating. And I said, well, you've got the best thing on you know, the market. You just need to buy another van. And she goes, that's what I thought. And two, three days later, they bought a new Pacifica because she, she realizes, and I think my dad taught it to both of us, that, you know, a minivan is so damn practical in so many different ways except I think they're just on cool, much like the station wagon was on cool to my generation. Um, I'm in my late 40s, Tavis, if that helps. It was on, you know, it was on cool to my generation, and now all of a sudden it's the coolest thing under the, you know, sun and 
And I've seen a couple of the Cadillac CTS wagons in the last couple of days. And, you know, that's still a pretty good looking car. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my thing. It's like go full in the direction that you need something for. It's like if you need practical, like you said, man, just get the van. Who cares? But then, you know, on the side, have a, have a full out crazy muscle car sitting in the garage that, you know, gets your blood pumping instead of, uh, you know, trying trying to get something that does a little bit of everything, but it doesn't quite doesn't quite do anything that you really want. That was I will say this. Tammy, my wife, has a Yukon with the 6.2 in it, and uh, that thing's pretty fun to drive. No, I can imagine, yeah. That's all we have in our garages right now is SUVs. I have a 97 two-door, two-wheel drive Tahoe, and my wife has a a new Yukon. I can't remember. So, Were you driving an SUV the first year I met you, Will, or did you get that the second year? I can't remember. Did you start with the Impala Caprice and go to the, the Blazer, or did you go from the Blazer? No, to I, the, I, had, I had the Blazer first. You know, I still have that. Yeah. Uh, I drove a, a a K5 two-wheel drive, two-door, well, they were all two-doors, K5 Blazer to, to high school, and then I drove it my first year to McPherson in college. Of course, it was lowered with, you know, at the time, Americans, and, you know, it was a pretty neat, pretty neat vehicle. Still got it. It'd still be stylish today in the, the uh, lowered truck circles. Dude, square body, two wheel drive, oh, <laughs> K fives are, you know, that's that's the hen's tooth of of square bodies, and that just happened to be my first vehicle that I ever owned. So, I mean, you know, they're also what? What's the next generation? The eighty eight and newer's. I can't remember what the term. Oh, yes. They, the you know, the two wheel drive uh, blazer. There's a a fair rare commodity too. Well, that, that's what I drive every day. So, lowered with Americans. <laughs> Imagine so, that, right? So wait, we're we're wait, we're talking about what we drive. I mean, this is where you know. I bet Tavis got a van because he was like not dogging on. Yeah, what? That's yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> oh. and I don't know why I stopped. Yeah, what? What is Tavis drive here? Oh, what? No. What is in his garage? Oh well, I see. I was uh, when we were shopping for a a family car. I was like, man, we should just go full van. Just get that. My wife said, no way. So, <laughs> what do what do we have? We've got a three row crossover SUV. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that fun? <laughs> why do you why do you think I'm so adamant to, against those? Because I, I I know the pain. He, he can't yeah. vent. He can't vent at home about this, so he's venting to us about this. Well, oh, this. oh, my wife oh. is totally baffled by by my logic. So that's a, <laughs> my my fiance cannot understand my infatuation with vans. Uh, she reluctantly <laughs> let me get the Transit Connect when I had it, and my ex-wife didn't understand my love for vans, and I had a caravan and a Voyager, 
and a ex-wife. Dodge 3500 cargo van, uh, extended, you know, one of the really long ones. Uh, we actually bought a uh, Dodge conversion van. So, you know, I've had my fair share of vans. I just kind of, I, I love them. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to go the station wagon route because I I love that, and I was like, man, the you know a CTSV uh, Cadillac wagon with a six speed. Oh my goodness, that's like that's the perfect family car to me. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah my we we did we did the whole crossover thing for a little while, and and I was driving it one day, and I was like, do you like this car, Tammy? And she goes. No, I hate it. And I'm like, good. <laughs> that day we got rid of it. <laughs> That's all it took, you know? Uh, so anyway. Well, hey, Tavis, uh, man, we can't thank you enough for, for joining us. Uh, we've been going for about an hour now, and that's where we kind of like to call it quits. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for, for being on uh think uh it, it almost feels like we need a round two with Tavis already so well maybe. i think once we make it once we make it bigger on the podcast we start you know bringing in some you know discretionary funds for the program maybe we'll have to uh, have Tavis design the no driving gloves minivan <laughs> no man I'm kind of jealous of the uh, fiance's new new car, so um, maybe we just need him to liven up my fusion. <laughs> hey, what? I listened to the last episode, and I, I just want to say I know it's a huge letdown that I'm not Chris Jacobs. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm definitely not. I'm not AJ. Uh, so but do, but do you I, have a I, I apologize for that. I, I listen to a woodworking I, podcast, I don't. And, and the guy does a calendar every year where he's nude. And Twelve months of him nude. I mean, it seems to work for him. Strategic photos. Though. Well, that's, <laughs> that's we will never do yeah, that. Yeah, you put for a, no a, a planer here, or yeah, you <laughs> yeah, hang the skill saw there and tool belt just right, and you know, you can you, you, you could do it with uh, you know a large diameter drafting pencil, we'll say, or <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I mean, really large <laughs> diameter. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, oh, oh. <laughs> a, a yardstick. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, oh, maybe even oh, the man. cord, the cord off your skill saw. <laughs> oh man! I'm thinking maybe man, just man. a strategically held micrometer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I have worked with AJ's husband. That's about as close as it gets. So, um, <laughs> we did a uh, TV show together. So that's uh, see, so you got your uh, how many degrees of separation here? So it it, it kind of works. So yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you, Tavis. This is uh. This has been fun. Uh, I think it was a great conversation and uh, look forward to uh, hanging out with you here in a couple of weeks at Grand National Roadster Show. So 
um, for you guys yeah. that are are listening that are going to be at Grand National Roadster Show. Uh, Big Oak Garage is going to have a booth in Building Four, and Tavis is actually going to be having a booth in Building Six. Uh, so, you know, put a put a face with the name and come out and see us and check out, you know, Tavis's work. Uh, we're actually going to have the Impala there uh, in, in bare metal, so you can check out our metal work. You can check out Tavis's design work and talk to us in person. So, uh, if you're going to be in the area, make sure you come by and say hello and. You know, pick up a t-shirt or whatever. Say so we might go ahead and try to get Will some uh, no driving glove stickers too. So he come up and mention the podcast. You know, he'll give you a sticker. There you go. Yeah. Hey, got to get him there somehow. But... Heck yeah. So with that, I let Will started it. When he decides it's over, it's over. Well, you know what? It's over. Hang glider. I'm out. Wait, guys, we haven't talked about any Zambonis yet tonight. <laughs> and, and and how that would be styled in a hot rod fashion? Yes. <laughs> They're already pretty low to the ground. I don't know what I'd do. There's some <laughs> movie or episode of The Simpsons or something that had a hot rod one with, like, side pipes or something. But there, episode two with Tavis. That, that'll be it. We'll start with the hot rod Zamboni discussion. <laughs> hot Zamboni talk. But I'm out of here for the night, guys. Nice. I'll talk to you later. All right. See thanks, guys. Later. Zamboni. <laughs>